Oh, hey, welcome to the Move With Your Life podcast. This is an exciting day for me and a project that I've been working on for some time now, but I wanted to change my why for building this platform before bringing it to you. When I started Boundless back in 2020, I was going through a time in my own life of intense transition, change, challenge, and I started looking at Boundless as a way of helping others who might be going through similar things. While this wasn't wrong, I began to see slowly how I was escaping into the project versus focusing on my own healing and growth. For me, movement especially has been a friend for many years and through many challenges in my own life. And I wanted to be able to share my love for movement with others who may be able to view their bodies differently and find perspective and healing by engaging in movement. But I quickly learned that the escapism with which I was viewing Boundless would not end up serving me very well. And it led to plenteous tears and lots of challenging trial and error until I found a rhythm for myself which involved learning to view Boundless as more of a friend and less of a project. I began to heal myself. And by focusing on my own authenticity, by facing my own storyline, by involving supports from people and experts who could support me, I found that Boundless began to morph and change, and it became less about physical movement only, and also began to involve shifting mindset perspective, looking at ways that we can listen and attune to our mind, body, and hearts. And so I'm bringing this to you today to hopefully communicate some of the learnings that I've experienced and the nourishing ideas that I've researched. And my hope is that these ideas will build community around topics that are close to my heart and hopefully help you to heal as well in your own stories, or maybe even just learn something new. My hope is that we can find research-backed information in this space and begin to have dialogue about how we continue on this journey of our own toward authenticity and fullness in life. Today's episode will focus on my own journey of healing, the perspective that I've been able to find through the building process, the rebuilding, then the reevaluating, then tearing down, and then rebuilding again, and continuing that process of growth in this way. And I feel that this is lifelong. I'll always be building, rebuilding. I'll always be growing and regrowing. And why am I sharing this? So before we get into the conversation today, I do want to make a note that this is not a space for you to come and hear hard stories and compare your own journey to those stories, or what a friend of mine likes to call the struggle Olympics that we can often get into. Whose story's harder? How can I feel better about my own experience by hearing someone else's pain? No, that's not what this is for. There are plenty of stories of struggle out there. All of us have one. And some have many nuances and compounding challenges. All of our experiences are valid, so it's not to come here and find validation, but it is to come here and find healing and maybe support. This podcast is also not meant to box in addiction or mental health. It's not meant to focus solely on the body or the mind. It's not to 
presume that people are good or bad, healthy or unhealthy. No, we are all capable of both health and unhealth, and both exist within us. We all have our own wiring and our individual experiences, and we all have narratives that we've believed, maybe stories that have been told to us that we've held on to about who we are, or maybe stories we tell ourselves. We are never good or bad, but we're a compilation of experiences and narratives, of story and struggle, and we all cope with this journey in different ways. Our brains protect us the way they know how to, but I believe we can start to heal our brains that have maybe seen lots of shit. I believe that we can start to make them feel safe and that we can make daily decisions to move well with our own programming and with the narratives that we've held for so long, even when it's hard, even when we relapse into old habits that aren't serving us, and even when we feel that we are at the lowest possible place we can be. So I want to give a bit of a trigger warning here. For those of you who've been dealing with topics around trauma, loss, and mental health, for those of you who are caught in a cycle at this time, this is an honest conversation, and it may not be time for you to listen to it yet. That's okay. If you're concerned, close it off, think about it, talk to someone you trust, and I'll be here for some very uplifting conversations with local experts in all things wellness, and with people just like you who are walking with their stories. So come back whenever or if ever you're ready, and we'll be here. For any and all of these conversations, take what serves you and leave behind what doesn't. When I was young, I remember being very afraid of the night. Not just the dark, but the feel of nighttime. How it closes in. How you're not quite sure what might be lurking in the dark in your closet. I used to check under my bed before I went to sleep. I used to open my closet and make sure it was shut before I turned the light off. I had a vivid imagination, and I was always concerned about the night. I was concerned about death, about going to hell, about dreaming and never coming out of that dream. I hated going to sleep. I was one of those children who used to crawl into my mom and dad's room because I was frightened but I never quite knew how to articulate what I was frightened of. And as I began to realize through the years, I wasn't really afraid of the night at all. I was frightened of myself, of my own mind. I was frightened of whether I was special and liked, worried about my ability to achieve or whether I'd fit in of whether the God I knew at the time would be ashamed of me for something I'd done that day, of whether I was living in a way that would be right or wrong, about what my friends, families, leaders, or others would think. And my whole life was framed around how others experienced me and what I could bring to the table. I fit into molds very well, and I was well-liked for it. I could befriend almost anyone, but always from a place of being of some use to them. But underneath, I never really knew who I was. My goal was always to blend, to be funny, to be more like someone else, to be welcoming, to be as cool as my sisters, to be respectful to my parents, to make them proud of me, to 
choose not to sin or do anything imperfectly. And underneath, I felt lost. My goal became, in teenage years, to be what was expected of me and not to disappoint anyone, to help others before myself. I gave a lot away. I did it well. But slowly it wore away at my spirit and I began pouring from that empty cup that's often talked about in therapy until the cup basically fell from my hands and shattered. Flash forward to when I was 17 and I moved to Calgary from Moncton, New Brunswick, East Coast, and I met a beautifully kind man, Derek. He had blue eyes, wavy blonde hair, and I noticed him right away. Before I talk about his journey and mine, I've been reluctant to talk about this at all with you, (laughs) but I want you to know that I won't go into graphic details or specific events because I don't believe it's fully my story to tell. But I will share glimpses into parts of our story together and how things impacted me, our marriage, and what I've learned along my journey. Derek was gentle. He was goofy. He was stubborn as hell, a quality that I admired because he absolutely did not feel the need to become what anyone expected of him. And I needed that in my life. He loved animals, he had an eye for people who were on the outside of the norm, and he had a tenderness about him that was unique. He was creative, he was musical, and he was kind. But we were both people who were searching. Originally, I was going to say we were both broken people, but I'm not sure that that is the case. I think we were seeking something And that's what I think we sometimes call brokenness when it's really just life and healing. So we were searching and we both carried anxieties, secret longings to be more or other than what we were, and maybe to feel noticed and special. I can confidently say that neither of us were really fully content. And some of that, I think, was good. We always were longing to be better than we were. Until we felt stuck. And looking back, perhaps we both felt more emotionally unsafe in our marriage than either of us fully realized. From the time we met, our mental health experiences both nourished the other and depleted the other. Derek had struggled with depression for much of his teen years, something I learned early. And I think his understanding of what it meant to feel different and to feel highly sensitive and notice it as a good thing, was magnetic to me. We shared beautiful moments and very deep, dark struggles. It was a both-and kind of relationship. It was both beautiful and magical, and dark and stormy. My anxiety, his depression, my purpose-driven self, and his relaxed way of being in the present. He slowed me down, and I sped him up. He was stubborn, and I was always willing to please others. Beautiful, magical, and challenging. All at once. And it didn't take long, especially our dating relationship, for me to feel that we weren't aligning, that we didn't have similar goals. He was always committed to me, and I was always feeling a bit unsettled and uncertain. But we chose each other. 
We chose to hang on and see what happened. And we were met with many challenges early on and had a few conversations about ending the dating relationship. But ultimately, we decided to get married in 2010. It was a beautiful day, very hot, very sticky and sweaty. If you've ever been into the humid July in the East Coast. And pretty quickly, things started to get challenging. Early on, we were very supportive of one another, very kind and tender with each other. But an early back injury, financial strain, severe depression, addiction, and the journey to finding the right help began to go through these peaks of really high highs and deep valleys with very low lows. And slowly, the health of our marriage began to erode. And this was a two-way street. In the beginning, my responses were not always helpful, especially in the early days. I took charge of almost everything, and practically in our marriage, and I began to be resentful, and I began to respond without much empathy to some of his struggle because I was frustrated. Over time, though, and communication, I learned so much about what it meant to lean into struggle and be present for a partner who was deeply hurting. But over time, my very hurting, beautiful man had changed. And with it, my old self-critic and people-pleasing desires to have been successful were feeling harsh rubs. This produced massive feelings of failure and shame in me, and it brought up how I felt as a child that I wasn't safe, I wasn't accepted, and I would never be enough. With the help of very skilled therapists, I began to shift my own responses and to start to face the reality that my husband may not be here later. And this came after a few spirals that included conversations around suicide and over-medicating and all kinds of decisions that were self-destructive for my husband. And I remember being on a run one day in 2019, and as I was running, a song came into my head, You'll Never Walk Alone, and I began to plan his funeral while on my run. He loved that song, and he loved European football, and I was starting to think of how I could theme this funeral. I caught myself doing it, I stopped, and I thought how fucked up that was. But we'd been through so many spirals that I was convinced I needed to prepare myself for what could happen. I think this was a survival instinct. I think I was preparing so that when the crisis happened, I wouldn't be surprised. I worked hard to shift this perspective and to find hope. But there was a new darkness in his once vibrant blue eyes that wouldn't lift. And I was feeling withered from an extensive period of not sleeping and feeling overwhelmed and watching my husband's spirit tear in two. I believe that at his core, Derek wanted to change. I knew he loved me. I knew he wanted to make healthy decisions. But depression is a beast. And if you've experienced what it is to be hopeless, you know what I'm talking about. And so his spirit never quite lifted. And he never got the opportunity to find the right help, the right medication, the right program, the right support. 
His mental health, coupled with some risky decisions, ultimately took his life in 2020 in a car accident. And I will never quite understand how the events of his death played out, but I do know that our relationship was at a crossroads and that neither of us had the opportunity to make a choice about how we could proceed or how to heal ourselves and be there for one another. And I do know now that we both did everything we could with what we had available to us at that particular moment in time. A truth that's taken me a long time to get to, and still can feel like a flimsy one on the hard days. Since then, it's been a messy, complicated road of coming face to face with my own demons, of asking the hard questions of what I believe about life and death, about making decisions in myself to focus on my own heart and mind versus others, of allowing the grief to move through me, but also combating the shame-driven narratives that I played out in my head from childhood. And these were exacerbated by my own sense of guilt over Derek's death, over what I felt responsible for, over the words I'd spoken to him before his death. I had a debilitating sense of always being the problem, a concern that my role that became caregiver in his life, my role as a wife, as a successful adult, had now been shattered, and a really dark narrative came into play that I just never would arrive. I entered a deep, dark season of depression in 2021 into 2022, during which I didn't know if I had the energy or stamina to continue living. I remember feeling like I wished I wouldn't wake up. I remember feeling like I wished I'd get sick or find something that would just take me out of the game. I felt like I was balancing on a one-legged stool that could be kicked out from under me at any moment. And during that time, I was diagnosed with a myriad of things, including PTSD, anxiety, depression, ADHD, OCD tendencies. And some of this turned out to make sense later. But at the time, I felt like I was in one of those old youth group dares from my childhood. It was like a fear factor event where someone had put like a Big Mac and some hot sauce and fries and something sweet in a blender, shook it up and made me drink it for shits and giggles while I was heaving trying to swallow it. I felt like someone was handing me poison and somehow I was devouring it. I questioned everything about who I was and what I valued. And somewhere in the midst of all this, I was striving, grasping, searching for meaning. And I took multiple courses, signed up for almost everything, escaped to the mountains regularly to try to avoid looking at myself, took care of everyone else who I thought needed me to, sending them messages to find out how they were doing, which I think was partly authentic and partly to avoid my own pain. I took so many forms of therapy. I overexercised to cope. I drank too much. I ate too much. I overcaffeinated. I wasn't sleeping at all. I tried one medication and then was put on another. And in the midst of this, I started my own business. So I exhausted myself. And I'm still working through the fallout of this exhaustion and trying to heal some of the aftermath of that. So why am I sharing all of this? Again, it's not to make anyone feel pity or to make my story seem harder than anyone else's or to put a microscope over any one thing in this story. No, there are plenty of stories out there that are very hard and they're all valid. 
but I am here to talk about how looking over my life, I have gleaned a few important insights. One, we are always in motion. We're always growing and then dying and then regrowing. And this is life. Two, how we choose to move with the experience matters, not just in the huge monumental ways, but in the small everyday actions that we choose. And this is the core of change. How has my life been made different because of the active choices that I've made to live differently? Three, and a little cheesy analogy, but people can be your surfboard on the waves of life. So find good, sturdy people who empower you to choose the right waves to surf. But ultimately, your actions, your choices, your decision to continue to try, and also to be smart about what waves you choose, is your own. People can help, but they can't save you from yourself. And nor should they. Four, resilience is kind of a weird concept, Because I think all of us have that in us, but I believe resilience and vitality comes from implementing daily habits and accountability with trusted others who will bolster you rather than tracking you back through old, unhelpful narratives. So find that accountability and find those habits that will serve you well. I was listening to the Daily Stoic podcast by Ryan Holiday on my way out to the mountains And I was thinking about how I might present this first exciting session to you. The episode I was listening to was called Turning Stress into Strength with Dr. Samantha Boardman, a renowned psychiatrist. She focused on the concept of vitality versus just strength as an idea. And during the interview, I came to the realization that I've been living in pursuit of change and alteration, of doing versus being of strength versus vitality and enjoyment. And the two are different. So when I talk about strength, I'm not saying that courage or practice of building strength is negative, but when viewed through the lens of our cultural context, what we do see is that strength means doing, and it means working harder, hustling, finding something that we believe to be hidden. And when we get there, we're often met with disappointment because we keep wanting more. We keep craving more. But vitality, as discussed in the podcast, was referred to as everyday actions and perspectives that allow us to live fully in the present while journeying toward purpose. And both are possible. But we don't often use the word vitality to describe what we hope to lean into. Health, self-efficacy, authenticity, which means looking at the challenge and the response, rest, all kinds of daily decisions to honor our own stories and live fully. For most of my time so far on this earth, as short as it's been, I viewed each challenge, each circumstance, each opportunity as something to control, to conquer, to become the expert in. And while I don't see anything wrong with choosing achievement and expertise or working toward goals, I realized that the perspective or lens I was operating from was not serving me and doesn't serve me now, I've learned that our feelings cannot operate on their own. We need to connect the head, heart, and body in order to find the fullness of our experience, using the skills we have in each area to inform us along the way. I'm still learning. I'm still healing. 
I'm still growing and always will be. We all are. And that's what this space is for. An authentic platform where you can listen in on real life experiences with real people who are continuing to choose motion and growth, moving with their lives. It's a safe place where you can get research-backed information and helpful strategies from local experts in the field of wellness, physical, mental, and spiritual. I'm excited to learn with you, to grow with you, and to move with you. And I hope you're excited too. If you have any questions, concerns, or topics you'd like to talk about on here, feel free to DM at movewithyourlife on Instagram, or send an email to rebecca at movewithyourlife.com. And I'll leave you with this quote by Viktor Frankl, author and survivor of concentration camps during the Holocaust. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Stay tuned and stay well, friends. (laughs) 